This podcast is brought to you by Cash App, the easiest way to send, spend, save, and invest. Cash App helps you connect effortlessly with your finances and with your people. And if you ask me, that's money, bro. So in the spirit of things that are money, here's how DJ Them Jeans stays connected with his people. Cash App helps me connect effortlessly with my finances as well as my fiance. So yesterday, she gave me a ride to the Sweet Green event at the Flamingo Estates. As we're beginning to move our lives together, both uh, in love and as well as fiscally, um, we have a shared credit card. So, you know, it can get a little tricky with who gets the Delta points <laughs> yeah. on the Lyft account because, you know, that is a nice little kicker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just to make sure it's not messy and just make sure it's kind of clean, uh, you know, at the end of the month for our financial advisors mm-hmm. or just use Cash App. So. She'll give me a ride, and depending on how mm-hmm. bad this, the car smells and, you know, little things like that, like, I kind of like a fast driver, and she'll go a little slow in the turns, and mm-hmm. that's how you kind of go from a, a, a four-star to a three-star ride, mm-hmm. and that's how you kind of go from a, a $10 cash up to a $5, but this is how we learn. No, no, for sure, for sure. Whether you're sharing a perfect day with your, uh, with your fiance, sending, spending, saving, investing, splitting, tipping, donating... And gifting, the number one finance app in the App Store is Cash App. That is fucking money as hell, bro. Download Cash App in the App Store or Google Play today. Add your cash tag to the 80 million and counting. How long gone is here? What's up? I'm Jason. This is Chris as well. I'm over here in Glendale. Chris is still in Atlanta. Mm. In in just 24 hours, I will be on a Delta Comfort Plus seat 19C. If you're on the same flight, come say hi to me. And uh, and then I'll be touching down over in Atlanta. And I'm dying to know when the itinerary call sheet is going to hit my <laughs> inbox just to see what we have cooking. Uh, this sorry. I've been a little, I've been a little um, busy over here working and, and making money for not only myself but for the both of us. Thanks, man. Friday night, you're aware of what we're doing. Saturday night, you're aware of what we're doing. Unfortunately, <laughs> on Sunday, um, friend of the show, uh, Larry Luck had had blessed me with tickets for the uh, Falcons versus Browns game at the Mercedes Benz Stadium uh, to take my dad uh-huh. but i only have two i only have two tickets so i'll have to catch up with you a little bit later in the afternoon oh, that's on sunday you said that's right yeah okay that's fine i only watch college anyway nfl okay rife okay. with issues if you ask me well i'm a big cte fan um so i'm kind of just i kind of just tune in for that cte I th- isn't that a country music music video channel no i, th- I think you're thinking of um CMT, Country Music Television. Right, right, right. Okay. Very similar demographic, though, between head injuries and target demo. Unfortunately, and I know the listeners have been glued to this, but the Country Chris era has unfortunately come to a close as I traded in the 2020 Dodge Ram 1500 for the 2022 Toyota Camry. Uh, so i'm back camry chris camry chris rides again i mean i didn't want to be the person to tell you that the 1500 was obviously going to be a little too much car for you and it takes a big man to kind of throw in that towel thank you and i think the camry's a great car uh i want to know how it's feeling acceleration did we get any extra trim packages we got a v6 what's going on in there? Uh, it could be a v6 on uh luckily for me no one has kind of knocked on the window and tried to get in the back seat um thinking that i was their driver <laughs> um, camry owners respect their vehicle too much to ever let uh, a foreign fanny plop down in the back seat chris they would never they would never use that for service man it's just hard it's just honestly going back down to to that low center of gravity (laughs) after being high on the hog for weeks Mm -hmm. has been it's a tough adjustment it's much like coming from la or new york and you know trying to slow the pace down for for atlanta it's 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 a similar feeling where i'm just it's going to take a few days to acclimate. Okay, now I now I know what my next Substack is going to be about. I went to uh, my see my trainer this morning, Grant. Grant. <laughs> that he's like, hey, that guy over there thinks you're cute. Basically, okay, is Grant? Grant is as straight as it comes. Trainer, but he, you know, obviously a gym in Atlanta is going to be is going to be gay leaning. So mm-hmm. uh, this guy came up to me and he's like are you straight? And I'm like, yes. 
And he said, oh, okay, I saw you wearing a Cure shirt the other day, so I wasn't sure. (laughs) (laughs) Beaten by your own snake. I mean, that... I was like, bro, I'm just depressed. I'm not gay. Like, I'm just... I was just a a depressed teenager. It was really funny, though. It was one of the best lines I've heard. Was he he old? Was he older? Yeah. I feel like he must have been older. He was probably in his 50s. Looked good, to be honest, but he's probably in his 50s. Yeah, because I feel like that's a trait to think that uh, a a Cure listener surely would have to be... A uh, come guzzler. Sure, sure. I think young people are just like, yeah, everyone's gay and whatever. I don't, I don't associate gayness to a musical act unless we're talking about, mm. you know, somebody who's going to perform on the, you know, a Kim Petras. Or yeah, don't like talk. That. I was about to say no, Ki- no Kim Petras erasure. So I, I, my point is, I started my day with a chuckle, and I hope to continue chuckling throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm very excited for you to touch down. Unfortunately, I did want to tell you to pack your uh, Arteryx. We are looking at some uh, residual uh, rain and other inclement weather uh, from the hurricane that did, uh, you know, kind of touch Florida. So, I, I, you know, bring your bucket hat. It's not going to be too crazy. Are you serious, bro? Bro, it's been, I, I can't even, I'm not even exaggerating. It's been basically perfect fall weather every single day this week until mm-hmm. tomorrow. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's i mean th- thunderstorm tj rolling in and this is what happens right. you know what i mean the city has to yeah. cleanse itself no- nothing like um going to leaving leaving a sunny california to go to a city with rain and there's there's not really a, a cold hard reason to do it you know i'm not <laughs> There's not a funeral I got to go to. There's not a DJ set. I don't have 1750 no, Jason, on the is, end of it. I mean, obviously, this is, it is rooted in commerce, ultimately. Yeah, this is a this is a funeral for our haters as we ideate and, um, you know, <laughs> get it, get it. Get Once it we done. ideate, it's over for you uh, podcast hosts, I guess. Yeah, exactly. That's all. That's all I'm trying to say. But it'll be look, it, I, I can guarantee at least a good time mm-hmm. but i do apologize for weather obviously that's out of my control as you know what what's the name of this hurricane irma ike irma Ema? it starts with an i ike it starts with an i do you think do you do you think the tampa bay or i mean the the, the tampa beach edition hotel has sustained any damages to the penthouse floors or anything i i don't i i, I couldn't i couldn't imagine ian schrager builds those things to last doesn't he well i mean i'm sure there's some sort of um high-priced uh retaining walls made out of sustainable materials that kind of keep the the waves from crashing yeah jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams and neither do that's right and, and hurricanes also we should say uh r.i.p to coolio um who um died the treasurer of frog town yeah he died i'm not sure what from i think it said he was like 60 um cardiac arrest got him so it could just be cocaine eating good or sniffing good yeah i think he. i mean maybe a little <laughs> bit of both i mean i wonder how much money he had or didn't have i feel like a guy like that truly if he did it right could have made money his entire life off that one song in oh, a pretty yeah, real yeah. way he from from performances to you know to the, all the other little things i think it's it, i think it really just boils down to i mean he seems like he was a pretty smart guy and 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 down to hustle and make a buck for sure it just matter you know it just depends on whether or not he blew it all in 1997 or if he held on to some of those bucks and mm-hmm. you know bought a couple mm-hmm. houses in diamond bar and whatever and you know <laughs> made it work but i know like later on in his career he was like a cookbook author and chef oh, really oh yeah he would have oh. like i think he would appear on the food network or he had like a tv show on the cooking channel for a little bit and i remember the dreads that he had like his crazy mm-hmm. hair that would kind of poke out in every which direction and he would have these custom-made hats that had a hole opening like a ponytail hole opening that like That's a nice. cheerleader might wear yeah, yeah but he would have his his sort of bouquet of troll doll style dreads poking through that letting them breathe it makes you wonder like is that part of your identity for life do you do you just have to do that or at some point when you're like okay i'm 60 years old maybe i can hang that up right and stand on my own without having to be guy who has that hair you know no no he had no i mean if you only have one song and your hair is as iconic as the song you gotta hang on even if god's trying to take it away go get a weave like i don't i don't know what (laughs) 
I don't know what you're going so like to have to do, but you got to make never it work. Carrot Top's never going to be able to yeah, not no, have no. carrot hair. No, Carrot Top can't go blonde one summer and just get away with that. That's not really going <laughs> to fly. I'm not talking about an Olsen twin, Chris. We're talking about... They would have to reshoot, they'd have to reshoot all the ads in <laughs> Vegas. I mean, just think about the budgetary concerns alone. I mean, that would just blow us. That would ruin us. Oh, I mean, bro, he's going to do it off-season. Okay. He, I have that verbal from him. Okay. okay. You have a verbal. I got a verbal on... <laughs> I got a verbal from 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 CT that he's not going to do it. Uh, yeah, I watched. Um, I've watched a, a few episodes of uh, the uh, reboot show. Mm-hmm. By the way, yeah, starring friend of the show Paul Reiser. Pretty funny, I gotta say. It has some it has some funny parts. I think it's a good premise. Yeah, it's sort of like in in the style of HBO's Hacks, yes. where it's a little like okay, like the the comedy is a little Gen Z leaning. But there's a little stuff in there for the older guys. I think it's not the, fully cucked. I like. The, there's a couple of jokes in there that are good. I like the the writers' room dichotomy between the young woke crew and the old like Jewish crew. Mm-hmm. I think that is nice to see them. No spoilers, but see them come together um, is is nice, and that kind of is what Hollywood is all about. It's it's about bringing people together um with with unhealthy snacks and locking them in a room to break, you know, the story. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's kind of what it's. That's kind of what it's all about. And as long as the old people are not um, super white, then they can say whatever they want. Yeah, as long as they're Jewish and over fifty, they can say whatever they want. They can say, "I thought gay people were supposed to be fun." <laughs> yeah, which that that is funny. I mean, you know. Yeah, at what age? Because <laughs> like, I, for the dawn of time, we've experienced. Oh, that person is set in their ways. You know, I'm from a different era. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I always felt like at some point we're not going to be able to use, you know, that excuse won't be valid at some point. Yeah. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is a certain magical age where as long as you've done enough service to the world and your community, mm-hmm. you haven't done any huge glaring off, you know, you haven't, as long as you, you didn't go Morgan Wall- Wallen mode or anything. As long as you, as long as you tip enough in Nate and Al's for over a decade, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you're kind of closer to God and you can get away with whatever you need to get away with. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Yeah. And I think, I, I think it, a lot of it boils boils down to like is the person that said the thing that that said the bad thing how likely are they to or respond well to criticism Mm -hmm. and if the answer is you know that person's probably going to like ether me nas style if i say like hey you can't say stuff like that anymore then you just got to be like "Eh, just let it go it's just not worth it you know it's like fighting a homeless guy it's like fighting an unhoused person like gotta let it go sure i could probably win just on a nutrition level and like a conditioning he probably doesn't have an infrared sauna etc etc all right we have we have a guest today uh tomas uh (laughs) mars uh that he's from versailles uh, he's also the singer of the French indie pop band Phoenix, which you're probably familiar with. Shout out to our friends of the show. Uh, also, classics, the Listomania remix. What a what a great that, Phoenix song. That holds a place in Jason's iTunes forever. Whenever he's pulling up with his sticks, he's got he's got that ready to go at, yeah. at any wedding. I mean, it's it's just interesting that that both you know the members of of classics, the the electronic music duo, are both fans of the show and listen all the time. I understand. So I would be remiss to not bring up a remix that may have changed their lives. You know, it's it's crazy to think that you could just remix a song and eat off of that for years. No, you're right. And I, I want to talk to Tomas about how he tucks his shirt in all the time. I really like his commitment to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the Phoenix, they are playing uh, October 6th in L.A. Um, and it uh, looks like they're they're supported by former guest porches. Oh, good for porch. Truly a family affair here over at over at How Long Gone. All right, let's give uh, oh, yeah. let's give Tomas a jingle. Oh, yeah. Maybe some editing to do on the intro. We'll see. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today on How Long Gone. Are you coming to us uh, live from New York City? Yes. Okay. At home, and then we start the tour again, and yeah, next week. And yeah, we're we're both from Los Angeles, so you're you're playing, I think, on the sixth. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. YouTube theater. I don't, I don't know what that is. Do you know what that is? Well, it doesn't sound appealing, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not the sexiest venue name in the world. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty on that. We we can all agree on that. But point. I have to say that you know before we said yes to the youtube theater <laughs> not only it had a different name it was called hollywood park oh I think. Okay, oh, okay 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 which is better but 
Um, we visited virtually. We visited the venue because they were so excited about this new venue. Yeah. And the venue is crazy. It seems like it's really great. Okay. Like the sound is incredible. Mm -hmm. It looks like a radio city in New York a little bit, but a modern, mm. like a Japanese crazy high tech version of radio. Oh, okay. It's, okay. it's also in the SoFi stadium. So I'm not sure about. Oh, yeah. that's okay. I went, I recently took my inaugural trip to the SoFi stadium to see the weekend. Yeah. It is also very futuristically designed. So I can imagine kind of the language they used for the YouTube theater is, is in a similar vein. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the sound is apparently they put money. The sound is <laughs> magnifique. Fou. <laughs> Which is better than magnifique. <laughs> Foo? Foo. What does that mean? Uh, insanely good. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. So, okay, so they texted you yeah. a photo of the sound system. You're like, this looks <laughs> foo as fuck. No, they, they gave us the specs. They uh, gave us okay. the specs and the thing. And, and, and uh, we've been on f enough festivals now that we know our mm -hmm. favorite. You know, uh, yeah, you're like, I like that. Uh, I like that snake setup on the XLR 349. <laughs> yes, is that the three? If that's the 349, yeah, that exactly. Good. Has that has that been a thing uh, over in, in Europe or Europe or France or London where all the venues are now named after you know dog food companies and yeah, car yeah. insurance brands yeah, that yeah. happens over there too well insurance shame insurance definitely you know insurance is ruling the world yeah it started it started with the banks yeah and the insurance companies and now the, i mean there's there's a lot of stadiums here in america that are just named after yeah like like a dog food company or something like yeah the, anyone can have a stadium. The, the thing that struck me the most the first time we toured America at some point on this level is we played the, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing. <laughs> we played the pizza hut, uh, <laughs> the, the pizza hut stadium in Dallas. I think, I think, it, no, I, it, yeah, it's in Dallas. It's where, it's where the soccer team plays. And it was a, it was a show at the soccer, at the pizza hut. Uh, I love, I love you guys <laughs> pulling up, just blasting cigs in the parking lot, being like, "We're at the fucking Pizza Hut Stadium in Dallas. This is we're a long way from home, man. This sucks. America sucks." But France is this. I mean, France is insurance companies definitely. Mm -hmm. but there are still some stadiums that are that have yeah names that are too strong to be yeah you can never let it go yeah replaced. But they're mostly in in sports and yeah music. Well, the, the, the venue that I grew up going to the arena, uh, that was in Paris had a bad name. Originally it was just the name of the neighborhood. So they changed it. It was bought by a hotel chain and now it's a hotel chain. Mm -hmm. Now, do you consider yourself to be like an audiophile or is that just a kind of part of the job? Well, it's all relative because you always find you think you're good at something until you meet, you know, until you go on YouTube and, and, and see <laughs> these Italian, uh, a lot of Northern Italian dudes that live in the Alps somehow are like, you know, they're on the next level of audiophiles and you're, mm -hmm. no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm like an amateur, at, but on many different, I scope, I have a large field of, uh, that I'm passionate about of many different things sure. but i'm not an expert on mm -hmm. on really anything sadly that's smart that's my approach as well <laughs> um unfortunately i'm not quite as globally recognized for mine as you are but i'm I'm working towards that not yet chris not yet. <laughs> yeah i mean do you do you still listen to music like on on vinyl in your room having a glass of brandy and you know, soaking it all in, or do you just listen on AirPods like everyone else? Uh, I don't have glasses of brandy, but I do. <laughs> I do have a vinyl. Yeah, no, I do listen to music on every format. Uh, yeah, every format. My my favorite is still the car. I have to say, because mm. but I live in New York City, so there's no. I don't own a car here, but when I go back to France or or in the U.S. or anywhere, mm -hmm. even when it's through the radio, the compression, I'm still nostalgic of that mm -hmm. radio sound or uh, the, the idea that you're listening to music on a train or moving somewhere. To me, it's, it's, it's always better than, I'd rather be in a music studio. That's, that's the place where sometimes when we would work on records, we'd, we'd go to mixing or, or we'd go early in the morning and mm -hmm. then we'd listen to records early in the morning. These are the best when you, 
you have access to an incredible room, then mm. after that, it's hard to compete at home and you're not really. Yeah. So I'm looking for alternate, you know, alternative routes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the car test is a classic, you know, musicians trope where they, you know, they listen to the mix in the car because that's the true judge. Even though mm-hmm. I think people nowadays, obviously most people, especially in New York, are listening to it to music on headphones. I still think the car is. I agree with you. I think it's a a necessary a necessary place to check it out. Well, you you mentioned you 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 do like to drive and listen to music when you're back home in France. So what uh what kind of car what kind of car do we have garaged over there in in private storage in Versailles? <laughs> no, I wish I I don't own a car, so I drive my uh no car. No, I, I either I drive my my when I visit my parents, I drive my parents' car. <laughs> they live in the countryside, so they have like Land Rover mm-hmm. type you know, yeah. to go everywhere. It has a charming sound system with set <laughs> tapes and stuff. <laughs> when when cars make deals with these high end companies, you know, yeah, 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 it's never really good. It's not my experience is it, it's always when two brands come together to make something to benefit both of them. It's really a good, yeah, a, a good design. You know, I've I've seen it even on audiophile level on live stage because there's now these like in-ear companies that match with like two great brands yeah. don't, don't add up you know yeah. they don't make something uh usually it's the opposite it reminds me of your new collaboration with ezra koning doesn't it yeah exactly sometimes yeah it doesn't always <laughs> yeah <together>. exactly <laughs> exactly no, no. <laughs> the only way this collaboration could would work is because we are friends enough that the music wouldn't suffer from it. Because I feel like when you're two brands that come together and do something, you're, you sign this contract and it's, mm-hmm. and the product needs to come out. It's gonna, it's gonna come out whether or not it's good or perfect. You have to do it. Yeah. And so Ezra, I know him now. I, I mean, I've been on holidays with mm-hmm. him. So we know each other enough that if the wives are friendly. <laughs> the wives are friendly. The wives are work work uh, workaholics. Um, you guys are just trying to chill. They're looking at they're looking at the dailies in the in the hotel. So we we know each other well enough that if the song is not good, he's not forced to do it. Or if he sends us something yes. that's not that the song doesn't need, or it's not what we thought, we we don't have to put it on. Which is not the case with pretty much anyone. <laughs> that's a reason why we didn't do collaborations before it's because we're just scared of like uh, of uh the end result and not being able to say no to, to yeah these it's things. very very similar to dating in within the friend group where like it sounds like a great idea on paper and then you're stuck yeah it's a, it's a perfect you either get married and live happily ever after or it's going to be a disaster it's going to be bad it'll be a disaster yeah and then one the one who breaks the relationship then it becomes a whole it destroys the whole group just like when just when like they put the bose speakers in the porsche you know what i mean we don't need that you know we just don't need it we don't need when it. you were um collaborating with i guess the last time was that on with air on on the virgin suicide soundtrack that's that's another version of a collaboration that seemed to go well because you guys were already friends right yeah but also that one was um was not meant to be a collaboration that one was they needed a Temp vocal for David Bowie to sing. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> really? I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 They, so we were on the studio and there's one version that it's, I was so good. I'm, I was so <laughs> that uh, they didn't call David Bowie or, uh, or just David Bowie said no. And I'm like, okay, we have to stick with, uh, with. Yeah. So they're like, Hey, Tomas, we, we need you to do a little, just a placeholder track for Bowie to come in and he'll finish it. And you're like, yeah, Bowie's going to do this song. Sure. Whatever you guys say, like they're full, full delusion. And I, I, they gave me the first verse and i wrote the lyrics to everything else so then maybe it would have been an issue for them i don't know mm-hmm. yeah I, I i don't totally know what happened but this was not a planned collaboration yeah exactly i like that you never asked i like that you never asked any questions you're like this shit came out i left it at that i didn't ask any questions people seem to like it we're gonna keep moving yeah that's what happened. i mean i i can't imagine that song being sung by anyone else i've heard it so many times and you're obviously perfect on it 
But then when I hear David Bowie was going to do it, I'm like, if anyone could have maybe done it as as well, <laughs> it's David Bowie. You know what I well, mean? Well, he's he was a he yeah. loved um, Air. Really? Yeah, he really liked Air, and um, with uh, I think he came to see their show when they played in in the UK, or mm-hmm. there was definitely something they wanted to do together. Yeah, I feel like that that soundtrack and that era where there was a lot of music that was coming out like that seems like that was maybe the last time there was that special brand of like sexy french music you know what i mean that was sort of in in my lifetime and in our lifetime i feel like that was the pinnacle of just like sexy music you know do you know air air would take that as the best sexy as in air is in those two guys vocabulary at all the time that's all they talk about <laughs> when they make a when they make a song when, when they add the solina keyboard the thing they all they think i mean there's a song called sexy mm-hmm. boy there's mm-hmm. a but they to to them it has to be yeah central and it has to be does this pass the blowjob test i'm th- i'm sure is what <laughs> some people have the car test or like could i receive i i don't understand the question <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> that means uh you know like when you're you finish a song you mix it down you know pre-master you go into your parents land rover and you're like oh this sounds good maybe turn the hi-hat down a little bit on the 400 yeah. frequency. And then when Air makes a song, they're like, could I get my dick sucked to this music? Yes or no? Uh, well, you're very, yeah, you're very visual. Uh, <laughs> he is, he's a very you, visual guy. I apologize. I, yes, you're I, a visual I, I guy. Yes, yes, you're a very, very visual guy. You're not the only person who paints a picture with their words, Tomas. Okay. We have two, we have two lyricists on this podcast today. Yeah, no, I who thought, knew? I thought for some reason, I thought I'm not going to describe, but I thought it was a different test. I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. I, yeah. No problem. I would love to hear. I would love to hear that. But yeah, I think that that era that was a special era, though. I, I do think that was like I think the Americans had really never been exposed to something like that in that way, and that's why it really resonated here, especially with like with young people. Yeah. But also, it's all all those bands that came out while doing music that was very different. That you know, they, it, it was a scene because we were all French, but there was very little in common sound wise. Read uh, to to these bands and they were trying to, we all, I think also we all, we all worked with these limits. You know, there was a frame. You couldn't, we were like the first ones to be able to make music in our bedroom where before you had to go to a studio and you had to. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. all the frustrations of all these years, not being able to make music that you could put out. And, and suddenly there was all these, these bands that come out and there was interest from like the UK at first and, and French people didn't really care in the beginning. They were not really that interested that came later. They're like, we've been, we've been sexy for centuries now. This is, this is normal for us. <laughs> yeah. We don't care about this. I mean, that's, but that's how, I mean, that's how it is with the, I mean, that's how it is with all of that kind of, you know, the early strokes era. all that stuff had to be basically had to be big in the UK before Americans cared. Yeah. 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 It, yeah issue we have we don't we don't like it until until enemy likes it which is something i still try to subscribe to even though that's a little bit of a lost art here's a, a little bragging uh this week we're on the cover of the enemy mm. which is the first time in our entire life it took 25 years <laughs> to be on the cover of the enemy <laughs> and uh, what do you think happened this time around that really resonated with those guys can you put your finger on it we got a new we got it we switched pr agencies yeah <laughs> 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 they switched someone i don't know there's a kid there who saw us mm-hmm. live in uh when he was like eight during alphabetical so 2005 wow. or something mm. and that always wanted and he loved the new album and he's like okay no that's I, I need to make this happen it's strange that in the uk it's still there's very much a middleman you know that it, it used to be that there was always Mm-hmm. One guy to the gatekeeper, the gatekeeper of the BBC or the or of, mm. and it's still it's still like this, I guess. You, you have to go hang out with them and do some coke and hang out in, in a club till four in the morning. Yeah, oh, I was thinking you know, about you know the the that's what I was thinking about the blowjob test. Now you know. The, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. How, they're they're in the same world, in yeah, the same universe, yes. same planet. Uh, do you find now? I know you guys are you guys like tour pretty seriously, and I know you're you're touring now, but 
you're also kind of uh, a, a family man, you know, your dad life over there, <laughs> at, you know, yeah. at, in the West Village, you know, taking your kids to school, you know what I'm saying? Doing all that shit. How do you know I live in the West Village? <laughs> because I mean, because I go to Bar Pity too, bro. I see you. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, okay. come on. Like it ain't this it ain't, it ain't a secret out here. But the um, okay. but the you know, do you do you find tour to be like a little bit of a break from that or do you miss it or is it just all part of the same pot and you got to do it all to make it work? Yeah. I, I do. Well, I, I think more in terms of like studio and tour, you know, I think these are two. Okay. We, I still do the same thing where I go to the studio the same way I leave for tour. It's just that mm. when you go, when you go in the studio, it's more, you, it's like groundhog day. You live the same day for, for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, when you come back from tour, it feels like a year has gone by <laughs> and you have so yeah. many memories. You've seen so many things. Your kids don't recognize you anymore. Yeah. You look different. <laughs> You've, you, um, are you new? Are you my new daddy? The, the, the stretch, the time stretches in a different way. That's more what, yeah. and, uh, and you can bring, I mean, we tried, we brought our kids on in the studio. They'd be miserable, but on tour, we brought them like in Europe. We did summer festivals. So we were like, my my daughter, my oldest daughter sold the merch. I once met I once met the the, the daughter of Donna Summer, oh, and wow. she told me she went on tour with her mom, and she was so bored all the time until her mom gave her a job, and she said you're gonna steam my clothes and okay. do this and do that, <laughs> and then she loved it and she, and so I applied this to my fourteen year old daughter. Well, she came and she sold the merch <laughs> at uh, a few venues where it was an issue, especially in the U.S. because it's not legal and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But they let us, they let us do it. Okay, so she's not ready to drum tech just yet. We'll start off on the merch. No, she's okay. not drum tech yet. <laughs> no, no, she's not drum tech. Okay, I mean that's amazing. I think that's it's sort of like the rock star version of like your kid having a paper route or mowing the lawn for some you know, <laughs> some spending cash. Right? Yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing. Did you check her pockets and stuff afterwards? Because I don't. I don't know. I mean, if there was cash involved, she could have been skimming. Well, there's a whole thing now. The tipping there's a <laughs> yeah a whole thing about tipping jars. Mm-hmm. Uh, tipping jar is a new. I discovered this maybe like five years ago. Um, that the cuter the tipping jar is, the more, <laughs> so people have this elaborate, whether it's the person that travels with you or someone that at the venue that sells merch, they'll have tipping jars that are so elaborate. They're like motorized little dolphins that open their, <laughs> so that everyone wants to, wants to activate the thing and they'll end up with like a thousand bucks in the, in the tipping wow. jar at the end. Yeah. And, um, and so that's the issue more than the skimming. People are already paying the t-shirts are expensive and stuff are expensive. You do, you don't want to. Yeah. I feel the same. I can relate when you go to a place and you're like tipping uh and now it's not like 18 20 22 it's like 20 25 30% <laughs> and now 30 yeah, yeah. and it keeps climbing. The, you, I don't <laughs> want to do that at the venue to like People that go. We know European. Look, we know we know Europeans hate tipping. You don't have to tell us that. We've all experienced. Yes, that. exactly. That's where I was. I was going with this. But I mean, bad. Even, I mean, I'm. I'm. If I if I go to a restaurant and I have amazing service, I'm happy to give them a good tip. But yeah, I mean, if you're if you're selling me an overpriced T-shirt in a f- dirt field, I, I I don't really see a reason to give you eighteen yeah. percent. But you know, in New York City, when I if I go in a cab, they hear my French accent. I know now that they're worried about, and they're, when I tip them at the end, they're so relieved. They're like, ah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> they, yeah, French people have a bad, French people have I a bad rap. I never thought about that. French people, French people do have a bad rap. Yeah, they do, but they're, but you guys are the coolest people, so you, it's, it's fine. I, I, I feel like, you know, in the movies where a bad guy is trying to get somebody to do something and, they give them a hundred dollar bill and they rip it in half and like we'll give you the other half of it when you finish the job. Yes, I feel like you should start doing that in the taxi cabs. Give them a five dollar bill, <laughs> rip it in half. You'll see the other side of this once we once yeah. If I make it to Tribeca in one piece, you'll get the other half of this fiver, Chief. Let's just let's just let's just get there on time. Um, yeah. Speaking of that, um, that that sexy era, I think you guys did a good job of 
riding that wave of of kind of slower, you know, sexy French music into the dance party like indie sleaze era but still making it sexy where a lot a lot of the music from that time, you know, you know, around 2010 or so, it was very party dance rage crazy, but it wasn't it was not always sexy. It was just kind of like bros jumping up and down and doing stuff. And you guys managed to always kind of keep that level of sexiness with the sleaze. So congratulations. I want to say thank you. Uh, (laughs) But I also, I'm not sure exactly what you mean. I feel like you have a very specific. I can elaborate. You know, the, the, the bros, the bros came. That's I'm going to end the line here. No, The, 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 the bros came to our shows with success. Yeah. That's like the, that's like the thing. The bigger you get, you can't And avoid. they went, they went away. You know, they, 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 <laughs> they were there for two years. So you're saying it, the, you're saying, you're saying when, what era are we saying? Like 2010, 2011. Okay. When we'd play arenas, you know, in multiple, mm-hmm. not just in New York and LA, but when you. You're playing an arena in Houston. There's a lot of music fans, but there's not that many quality music fans in the that's right in uh or people that know you know it makes me think of the nirvana song the the uh he doesn't know the lyrics the um, in bloom he's the one who uh but he doesn't know what it means you know sometimes you have like yeah yeah uh you have these so yeah we did we did have these people in the crowd that came to party and dance and and but just in a bro we had bros I'm not sure where I'm going with this. I think whenever there's a song that kind of goes crazy and you're like, you know, it's like full on alternative radio shit. The the bros are unavoidable. Yeah, I, I think success with success comes a large uh, yeah, a group of. Yeah, it's the same with with uh, customs, you know, like Serge Gainsbourg. We used to say like you're in trouble when the the people that's checking your passport knows who you are. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yes. then you're, it's over. And we saw that. Uh, that happened uh, at some point. When you say that's that means it's over, that means you've become too famous, and now your life may have have new difficulties that come along with that fame. You know, it's more like, um, for instance, the album we made right after Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix. We knew we'd had this bigger audience that would listen to these things. So part of us was teasing and trolling ourselves a little bit and enjoying the fact that we would now be able to, when you have a, an audience that's already there, you can, you can, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting their attention and you can, part of us was interested in like, Oh, so yeah. we're going to show them something really weird and strange. And, oh, okay. Uh, so I think it, it would, we were not just in the studio making the best music we could, but we were also like curious to, to think like oh how how Let, let's see what these bros can handle sort of yeah <laughs> i think that's a very yeah. rare yeah. position to be in in a band where you guys you know that was like when like 1901 was like a huge song and people will just buy a ticket to a phoenix stadium show because it's going to be a party and there's going to be cute girls there you know they don't have just like you said in the in the Nirvana song, you know, we don't know any of your songs. We're singing along to them. I have no idea what it means. I don't care. I'm just here to have fun and party. When you're on stage and you see that, how does how does that make you feel? Are you just thinking about the zeros on the on the wire transfer <laughs> to get through it, or no. do you? What do you do to make the best of it? No, the good thing is I never think about money. That's the luxury of uh, that's the most. Can you teach me how to do that? Do I just need to make more? Is that the issue? I haven't made enough. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the ultimate luxury of yeah. You know when the the state we you play bigger arenas and stuff there's more people involved and we didn't have at some point a, a, a roadie that came to work with us saying like i know apparently there's cute girls at the show that's why i'm here <laughs> and um and then we he didn't he didn't last a long time with a lot of bands there is this moment that feels like a peak and the shows are so big and like you maybe don't recognize the fans etc and now it's like maybe the venues are a tad bit smaller, but everybody in there is there because they like really love the music, which I feel like is a better place to live and actually have a career. Uh, yeah, but then there's always 
it'd be it'd be too weird to play only shows where the crowd is devoted and and you know you need to have at least some sort of for creative purposes it's also good to have a bit of uh entropy or resistance sure. or like uh, yeah. yeah friction mm, challenge when uh when you're playing some of those music festivals where you don't really get to decide who the audience is exactly who who is a tough act to follow or like if if you're playing on i have i have yeah beyonce (laughs) we played before beyonce at made in america festival in philly and uh that's 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 tough so that was a long 54 minutes in your of your career well there was a girl there was a girl in the first row that fell asleep and i sort of serenaded her i went to her and i woke her up from her nap and she was on the big screen and she freaked out <laughs> she, she freaked out fell asleep front row at a as a at a music festival yeah I, she's like your music is fine but i need to save my energy for beyonce no offense yeah yeah that's crazy but there's also there's a festival that was that happened in australia um a long time like maybe seven or eight years ago mm-hmm. it was when edm was at its peak mm. i think and that was the only thing that existed there. And uh, <laughs> uh, we were the only band. We were the only band and we were also the only ones with instruments at that festival. Okay. So it was extremely lonely. <laughs> and I remember seeing like being side stage with other guys. And there was a DJ with his roadie in the back playing uh, Candy Crush on his phone <laughs> and thinking like, if this is not we can't play music festivals like <laughs> if they all turn to, turn out to be this way anymore that was the loneliest tour we've we've done and it was like five shows because it was a five show all over like four in australia one in new zealand it was called future fest so it, we thought like if this is the future <laughs> might be a problem might be a problem i don't want to be a part of it <laughs> yeah. so so you're at a festival and you're you're on tour playing stadiums everyone's losing their mind you go to australia and they're like can you play the the, remix. the Listomania yeah. remix, please? Not the ori- I've never heard the original before. This sucks. There's like <laughs> guitars in it or something. Our, our sound guy <laughs> would choose the playlist to keep people, you know, from not doing changeover, from keeping them in front of the stage. Oh yeah. And the song that worked the best was uh, Technotronic. Technotronic. Pump up the jam. That was the that that, that kept people people around. Yeah, that's a tip for if anyone's listening and who's a uh, yeah, <laughs> who's having issues with? These <laughs> yeah, if, if there's any That's festival nothing. headlining bands listening who have a hard time keeping your your fans at the front row, pump up the jam. Pump up the jam. Okay, so so you've you've had a good relationship with the EDM community, though. I, I feel like you guys, you, you, it's sort of like keep your friends close and your enemies closer, kind of thing, or. Do you have to have some connection to the the DJ world, especially over in France, where you know Justice and Ed Banger and Daft Punk and all those guys just kind of run run everything over there, right? Yeah, uh, or at least they did. To me, EDM was a different thing because it was before. I, I don't even associate them with EDM. It was because uh, to me they are still, yeah. you know, they're still playing live. They were still bringing instruments and stuff it's really when it became mm-hmm. uh, a thing was just a usb key and playing music and fire you know it became a um you can say his name diplo it's fine we we yeah i've never <laughs> seen a diplo show but when there's when there's you know when when it when the main attraction is is yeah confettis and fireworks and and uh, yeah, yeah. it's the ones in holland you know like the the white parties and the <laughs> yeah. yeah tomorrowland and all these just a hundred thousand people on ketamine everyone's wearing white and the, and the yeah. music is just like a kick drum yeah and people are cross-eyed losing their mind yeah <laughs> yeah and that was that's i mean when i first started getting into djing and music i we everyone in la just obsessed over anything french you know because they were just they were the only djs that looked cool dressed cool everyone is smoking cigarettes in the club when you're not allowed to they're drinking champagne and cognac and brandy instead of red bull and vodka or you know some bullshit like 
all the girls were just <laughs> losing their minds over it. And I don't know. There's there's just something about the way the French party that is just superior to any other world. I don't I don't know what it is. What do you think it is? The je ne sais quoi. The yeah, je ne sais quoi. I, I, <laughs> Maybe that's a question I should ask Chris instead of you. You're too close to it, Tomas. I've, I'm too close to it. Um, it it was true for a guy like Philippe Zdar. Zdar, you know Zdar from Cassius. Mm-hmm. He was like the most sophisticated, sexy, charismatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would do that. Yeah, that's totally true. Other than that, I don't really know that scene because I've never... Um, you're, not, you're not really a big going out to the club person is what it sounds like. No, okay. no. Yeah, that's yeah, the Not a lot of yes. ecstasy use. <laughs> when when Daft Punk started and, it, and, and that scene started, I was always sitting on the staircase watching the crowd but i was never part of it you know that that was mm-hmm. and also because the style was i thought the style was really bad the, <laughs> the, the, you know the people i like the music but i i wasn't in, in into the scene the uh, i wasn't into going in the woods yeah. uh as well because that's where <laughs> everything happened it was like an, on a on a in a field like a right. hundred miles away from Paris, and then you stay there overnight, and then you you'd uh, so it was no. I, we stayed in our studio. We produced music in our studio, and then we're like someday we're gonna play live to an audience. We're not sure well, but we we are not. We're using the same equipment as these guys. We have samplers. We have mm-hmm. the same drum machines. We have the same record collection. Uh, that's unique about us too, but while not, we still have instruments as well, and while not, you're not going to stop using them anytime soon. You like to shower and like sleep in a bed and stuff. I can respect <laughs> that personally. That's something that's that's something that I can kind of stand behind as well. I wanted to ask you quickly. <laughs> you to me are a guy that has iconically always tucked his shirt in. <laughs> yes, that was a rising. That was a rising trend, and you know, for a while, guys were tucking in their t-shirts. And I would always think to myself, you know, Tomas really has the tucked in swag. And I, is that something you've done since you were a child? Was that taught to you by your father? Or is that something you like adopted as an adult, like as part of your your persona as a musician? <laughs> uh, I can't tell seriously. <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't have to answer seriously. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't think it's a unique thing because my friends do the same. Are your friends French, Tomas? Yes. Yeah. My question is though: is it com- is it comfortable? Keep it one hundred. It's not that. But comfortable. it's not meant to be comfortable. That's the thing: is that people that wear oh. athletic wear and everything outside now, <laughs> it's not meant to be comfortable. It's you're you're doing it so you look and feel <laughs> superior to them. Exactly. <laughs> I look like a Prussian soldier that's about to conquer Russia on the little hill. And that's, uh, and that's the silhouette look. needs to be, uh, but because where where would it go next? You know, it's um, Crocs is a good example of <laughs> comfort uh, that that people uh-huh. embrace because there's also a thing that you see in New York that comes from even a more snobbish attitude, which is you know when models were were off. While not working, they were wearing things that they were mm-hmm. the only ones to pull off. You know, some some. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. They were they were wearing Off clothes duty style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were wearing clothes that wouldn't look good on anyone. Yes. And, yes. Um, yes. And <laughs> in the beginning, it was because they were skinny and they were like they wouldn't. But then it became things that were so ridiculous, like that. That became the trend. So if you're if you can pull this off, it means that you're part of that club. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think it's necessarily like a, a thing of, of, of just giving up. I think it's, there's still like these clubs, these, these like, I don't feel like I'm the only snob out there that's like trying to be. No, I, no, I, so. I respect it. I respect it. And unfortunately, I do wear some athletic wear out in public and it's kind of part of my look. You, do you take your shirt off? <laughs> Uh, you know, Tomas, you not yet, um, but I'm kind of trying to get there, uh, but it's a little bit of a body issue. Yeah. So you're <laughs> trying to get there, but people, people used to take their shirt off when they had a body that they worked on forever. And then, yes. but now, now with the heat waves and the thing, it's over. It's people take their shirt off no matter what. That's, that's right. That's right. That's okay. Right. So, so in your mind, the, the, the worst 
result of global warming is fat people <laughs> taking their shirt off in public. I did not say that. I did not say that. My my words, not yours. My words, not it's yours. It's a consequence. It's a consequence. It's merely yeah. a consequence. It's merely a consequence. No, I agree with you. Yeah. The thing about living in New York is that you see just the wildest shit. Like, I miss it sometimes because I come back pretty often, but like la you see a different kind of crazy shit in new york like what you're saying like seeing people just walk around with a shirt off in the middle of the day with like crocs on like it makes no sense but you see that more in new york than you do in la mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't really compute but i i think it is a, it is like a kind of a new york thing that everybody just kind of when it gets to be a certain temperature people just kind of lose mm-hmm. their minds yeah but if bella hadid does it it's fine but if right. uh, Steve from the transmission shop does it, it's not quite as good. <laughs> That's exactly right. When Bella Hadid does it, I'm interested in what she's selling. Uh, Tomas, you, uh, I wanted to talk to you about a, a personal issue going on in my life. Yes, I'm going to be I'm going to be married next year in Italy. Yes, and I know that you have been also married in Italy. So um, I'm just looking to see if you have any tips tricks or maybe you know if your if your wife could get me a deal on a few cases of wine or something like that so you know what's what's the vibe the vibe is you you'll have to go to your city hall because your marriage won't be legal in the united states so you'll still have to get married in the united (laughs) states good tip good tip and that that's that's still a fun Okay. How many times can you get married twice to say it's a fun uh okay. it's like extra bonus mm-hmm. so that that's 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 a good perspective for you. Yeah, guys guys love having multiple weddings. <laughs> I, well, I hope so cuz otherwise you should rethink your wedding. <laughs> <You're not sure. laughs> that's, a, that's a very that's very good advice. It's yeah. very good advice. Okay, so make sure it's legally binding before you get on the plane is what you're saying. That's that's like that's kind of the bottom line here. Well, you're getting married in Italy in in Tuscany in a in a in a villa. Yes. Maybe a different villa than you got married in, but a villa nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> well, Italy every, every you know, at least you can't you can't uh, fail in Italy. There's even even the the areas that were destroyed in the yeah, like 70s architecture where it's all like concrete and stuff. They're still charming. I don't think there's a bad place in Italy. Yeah, other than the uh the fascism, it's it's a Yes, exactly. Country. Yeah, I was about to say that you picked the right time. I can't wait to see. I, I can't wait to see. I'm going to do once Jason's nuptials are over. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to kind of look up yours, Tomas, and then kind of just compare and contrast, you know, kind of like who did it better kind of thing, like a who wore it better. I don't I, I hope there's no pictures of mine. I don't think there is. Oh, OK. I think so, it was okay. private. Yeah, did, did you have you had a media blackout for your wedding? No, no, no paparazzi. No, there were plenty outside of the. Uh, OK. They, I mean, it's still, it's the local sport. Now. Yeah, it's the, I mean, paparazzo, they love paparazzo, paparazzo was an Italian. Paparazzo was the Dolce Vita. Yeah, uh, true. <laughs> they invented. Yeah, they, perf- so they perfected it and invented it. Okay, who did you? Yes. Who did you get to DJ your wedding? Local guy. Uh, it was local guy. Yeah, it was three uh, local guys that played only Italian music. Oh, okay, that's that cool. is cool. That is cool. And what did you wear? Did you wear a tuxedo? No, <laughs> well, a suit. Je crew. J'adore je crew. Just a regular suit. You uh, didn't go. Uh, uh, you didn't costume. go black tie. You had a, a costume. Ah, oh, okay. No, no, no. Okay. No, no, a costume in French is a suit. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Okay, just a regular suit, not a tuxedo. What's the Vatican army, the most, uh, you know what they look like? The, Vat- the army of the Vatican, the Swiss guards uh, that protect the Vatican, they have like the oh, most yeah. crazy costumes. Yeah, it's like the, yeah, you look like a, the, um, a traveling minstrel from the 14th century, big poofy arms yes, and yes, rainbow yes. colors and the crazy helmets. Yes. Yeah, like the people that stand guard. Yes. Um, um, at the at the royal house in London, you know, yeah. make them look very normal compared to what this is. Yeah, this is the most. So that's what you wore. Got it. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's a very good look <laughs> for you. Um, but all right. So like before we wrap this up, we have a um ongoing segment here on the program where we like to ask our musical guests about some of their 
um, biggest and most lucrative licensing opportunities. Yes. Sync talk. Either one they have done and they're happy about, or maybe one they turn down and regret. So if you have, I feel like you guys have been in this game a long time. I'm sure you have some, something to say here. Mm-hmm. Turned down so many, but we don't regret it. But the, the <laughs> zeros were <well>, really. <laughs> <laughs> you you don't regret it, but sometimes you think about it at three in the morning when you can't sleep. Could have used that Pizza Hut check. I remember turning down McDonald's, and then they came up with a fake version of our song that was perfectly, <laughs> you know, just perfectly fake, just fake enough that you can't sue them. But it sounds just like a <laughs> no way. But no, my my favorite licensing story is one where we started the band. We did the song Heat Wave uh, early on. Like I think it was the it was the first song that came out on our label. And someone we we were broke. We didn't have money to do the album and anything or anything. And someone from the UK. Uh, there was a song called Point of View that sampled um, music, and they were super eager because they knew that Point of View was already going to be a number one song. Mm. They kind of decided before. Sure. We were, sure. we were with our, f- our friend is our manager, uh, since we we're kids. So we were all together in a place where there was no reception. And so people kept calling, leaving him messages, thinking we were not interested and they will keep offering more and more and more, but we just didn't have reception. <laughs> and by the end of the day, we made four times what we, oh. what we thought. <laughs> and that paid for the entire first album. And that was the best thing that happened that's that made the wow without this this uh them using uh sampling the our song we would uh, we were not being able to make that album that easily so that's db boulevard point of view yes okay exactly and is this a song that you that you have grown to love because of that financial no. gain nope no no <laughs> <laughs> I have no love for this song. <laughs> I didn't know what they were. I, I didn't know what they were going to redo with it. They, they, we didn't even hear the song. We were like, okay, you, right? You, we, we gave it to them because we, we needed the money. We we're like, we need to make an album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by and at the end of that day, you know, we were celebrating. Yeah. So amazing. Yeah, we. I was talking about it in the intro, but I'm I'm old friends with the the guys from Classics, and I was talking about how when that remix of Listomania came out, there's um that that there's a singer named Steve Lacey who has a, a very big song right now called Bad Habit, and he just released a sped up version of the song as well. Like you can go on Spotify or Apple, yeah. and you can buy this version where it's the same exact song, but it's just sped up. And the purpose of that is is for TikTok, I guess, but how do you feel about that? Well, I love that song. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear the sped up, but I love I love the slow versions that are reverbed. You know that trend of slow and reverb. Mm-hmm. I like the speeding up somehow is strange because usually they don't sound better <laughs> when you slow down. It's the same if you look at a magnifier, if you look at if you write something on paper, you look through a magnifier, everything looks good. Mm-hmm. But if you take a distance, it looks bad. It's the same with sound that if you slow down something, it will look mm-hmm. more flattering, more, uh, it would enhance the, the thing. Yeah, just like with video, slow motion video versus sped up video. Yeah. One's beautiful and one's... If, if sped up, it sounds good. It's, it's even more of a, it shows even more that the song is good. Mm. You know, like... It's a, a good point. It passed this test. Um, look, thank you for joining us so much today on How Long Gone. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Alpha Zulu, n- November 4th. The new song, like we were talking about before with Ezra from Vampire Weekend, is a great, great tune. I was very happy to hear that classic um, Phoenix synth line that kind of does the poor demento bend up. <laughs> I'm glad that you guys are still doing that. It's a beautiful, classic, <laughs> classic Phoenix move. <laughs> Love it. Oh, the part, the yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, a nice transition instead of white noise sweep or reverse symbol or something like that. Yes, yes, have a nice yes, clean one yes. Like that. Yeah, we should talk more about music, less about 
trends next time because <laughs> I see I think you you're qualified there too. Okay. Well, thank you very much. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to him, and I don't want his ego to kind of get bigger than it already is. But okay. I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate okay. it. Uh, thank you, and we'll um, we will uh, we'll see you soon. Appreciate you. Au revoir, au revoir. Thank you. Bye bye. Au revoir. Salut. Oh, my soul